Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 32:22 through 30. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along while I read. And if you don't have one, please feel free to grab one in the vestibule either now or on your way out. So again, today's reading is Genesis 32:22 through 30. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But he said to him, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever wrestled with God? I bet for most of, most of us, we probably could say, yeah, I have. Like, maybe not literally, like, in this really bizarre story that we're going to cover today. But, but for me, like, if you... If you've taken God even just a tiny bit seriously, my guess is at some point, in some situation, in some place, like you have wrestled with him. Christian or not, right? We've wrestled with, with our doubts, our questions, with maybe you've wrestled with your disappointments, your regrets. We wrestle with, with God's rules, with, with injustice, what feels like oftentimes his absence. You and I, wrestle with God. And I think often we don't really know what to, to do with that. Like, is it, is it okay? Like, I don't want to hurt his feelings, right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't really know how to, how to handle it. And yet, let me, let me just say, like, I'm convinced from this story, like, wrestling with God is an inevitable part of faith. I think even a necessary part of faith. But why? Why do we wrestle with God? Why did Jacob wrestle with God? Well, church, I think it's because of this. You and I wrestle with God because God is our biggest problem. God is our biggest problem. It's not, it's not that situation at work, right, or your finances. It's not that relationship or, or lack of one. It's not your health or your family. And I'm not making light of any of those things. Those are a big deal. But if there's a God, really, truly, then he is our biggest problem. And so we'd better learn how to wrestle and where better to learn than from the one person to wrestle with God face to face and live to tell about it. If you have a Bible and you haven't already, turn to Genesis chapter 32. And again, it's a, I mean, this is a weird story, right? So Jacob like literally wrestles with God or at least an angel or, or some manifestation of God and they, they battle together. But, but how do we get here, right? Like what's the context of this, this brawl between God and Jacob. 
Well, let me back up in the story a little bit because we, you know, we kind of, we had Bishop Sam last week, so we haven't talked about Genesis in a little while. So let me kind of, kind of catch us up to, to where we've, we are now. So if you've been with us in Genesis, we, sh- we know by now, like, okay, Jacob is the one to continue on God's promises. Like it goes through him all the way up to Jesus. And so there's a lot of expectation riding now in the story with Jacob. And Jacob, he's, he spent the last 20 years working for his father-in-law, Laban. But there's a storm brewing. Jacob has gotten rich working for Laban, and Laban hasn't. Laban knows it, right? And Laban has mistreated Jacob the entire way. I mean, he keeps changing his wages. It's not been a good relationship. And it finally comes to a head where Jacob's like, you know, if I don't leave, like, they're going to kill me. Like, his sons, they don't want me here anymore. I have got to go. And Jacob, by the way, I mean, he's made, he's been making a real effort to follow Yahweh. Like, he's, he's given it a shot, like really trying to trust him, follow him, and yet, he's still a bit of a trickster. In fact, like Jacob, the way that name is used throughout this story uh, is meant to, to mean something like Jacob the deceiver, the trickster, the heel grabber, right, from that early story with him. And he's lived up to it. So in the middle of the night, Fearing for his life, he runs. He, he packs up all of his stuff, his, his family, his servants, his livestock, and they make the, the trek out of there, away from Laban, because he's, he's terrified. And they get out, and it says in 31, verse 20, so back in the previous chapter, it says, and Jacob tricked Laban. Because right? the author wants to keep reminding us, like, this is what he does. Like, he knows how to fix his problems, he knows how to work, work the angles, and he's good at it. So he tricked, he tricked Laban. But of course, Laban catches up with him. Like, he's got this huge caravan. It's like, it wouldn't be that hard to find him. So Laban catches up with him. And and so the reader, again, should be asking, like, okay, is this the end, right? Do God's promises stop here? Will there be a battle? Well, no, actually. It ends fairly peacefully. God sort of intervenes. They, They make a treaty together. And you can almost imagine Jacob's relief at this moment. It's like, okay, like, you know, he's doing a happy dance. His problems are solved, and then I imagine like all of a sudden it dawns on him, okay, yeah, things with Laban are okay, but what about Esau? Remember Esau, his twin? Like they did not leave on good terms, okay? So again, you got to go, like this is how Jacob ended up with Laban in the first place. He had to run from this place where Abraham had raised this, like he had to flee because Esau wanted to kill him. Jacob had tricked his brother, living up to his name, out of his birthright, which is a big deal back then, he, he tricked his dad out of blessing Esau, and he blessed Jacob instead. And so he, basically, like, Jacob blew up the family, like, wrecked their family systems, and then just left, fled for his life. He had to. In fact, like, 20 years earlier, when that story ended, Esau made a promise, like, I'm going to kill you. And you may have said that about a sibling at some time or another, Like, Esau means it, and he intends to follow through. And so it's almost like we meet meet Jacob now in this moment. He's like, oh, yay, I'm safe from Laban, only to die by Esau. I don't know what's worse, like having your father-in-law after you or your brother. I don't know. It's terrible, right? And so Jacob, he's freaking out again, but, but he tries to fix it. Again, it's like, this is what he does. And so he sends messengers to his brothers. Like, hey, would you guys talk to him for me? You know, it's like, would you just see if he's still mad? Just go check it out a little bit. And, and so they go and they come back and, and they're like, oh man, he can't wait to see you. In fact, he's, he's on his way to see you and he's bringing 400 men. 
So Jacob kind of loses his mind, right? Because he knows, he knows what that's for. In fact, it says in, in verse 7, chapter 32, verse 7, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Of course he was. Like, why else would Esau bring 400 men? Like, this is a death squad. And so, I mean, this is, this is terrible, but this is what happens. He divides his, his party into two groups. Kind of the idea is there is like, maybe, maybe he'll only kill half of us. The rest of us can get away. And then he prays. So, you know, he's learning, right? He's, he's, he's trying. And th- then he starts sending, like, hordes of wealth back to his brother. Like, trying to either buy time or buy his favor. Like, everything he's worked these last two decades to achieve, everything that he's, he's built his life, like, he's sending it back. I mean, what does he need it if he's dead, right? And then he waits. Again, the reader should be asking, like, is this the end? Will there be a battle? Will God's promises die here? And so he hides his family on the other side of the stream in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. All alone, middle of the night, which makes everything worse. He's lying there, unable to sleep, thinking about his life choices, right? The things that he did to get him into this mess, like where did it all go wrong? He's laying there, and you've been there, right? Those are fun moments, right? Where all of, all of your regret, all of the, the things, the past, present, and future feel like it all's crashing in all of its darkness, right? Like, if you're wondering, this is the low point. And then God shows up and picks a fight with him. Like he, doesn't, he doesn't come to like, hey, buddy, it's going to be fine. I got this. No, he wrestles with him. Like, he's, like God is the one who starts the fight, right? Why? Why does God do this? Because Jacob's biggest problem is God. It's not Laban. It's not Esau, it's not whatever else could make the list. His biggest problem is God because he has been wrestling his whole life, right? He's a a trickster, he's been running, he's trying to fix everything, he can manage his own problems. Like he is a professional wrestler, right? I hate to admit it, but I picture him a little bit like this, right? Anybody else? You know, I want to be like, Jacob's doing that, right? Um, Anybody? No? Well... Somebody, somebody, yeah, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, but that's, like, that's what's going on here, because this is what Jacob does. He's a pro, like Hulk Hogan, right? He wrestles, he wins. He always comes out on top. What Jacob wants, Jacob gets, right? He finds a way to do it. He's got this. Until God shows up. Why? Because God wants us to battle with him. Yeah, you've got problems, I've got problems. We've got the things that we're dealing with in our lives, but our first lesson here is that God wants you to battle with him. Before everything else, ultimately, it's with him. And so God comes to Jacob, and essentially, he makes everything worse, doesn't he? I mean, he really does. It reminds me of one of my favorite works of art. It's by my daughter. She's 10. It's brilliant. Uh, it's, it's actually a story, and she and, I, she and I, we share a dark sense of humor, so 
Just, just, just be warned. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a book that she wrote, a little tiny book, okay? It's called Bob. If you can't see it, we got it right there. Bob, exclamation point. Uh, it has one page inside. It's Bob getting struck by lightning. <laughs> like, that's it. That's the whole story, right? That's, what else do you need to know about Bob? He's dead. Um, I love that girl. She's, gonna, she, she's like the next Cohen brother, I think. Um, but like, that's, like, I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's actually, that's kind of like Jacob right now, right? Because all of a sudden, everything, everything is falling apart, and God makes it worse because the question that he's wrestling with, I mean, you see, it's often in those, like, those lowest moments, like, that's when we find out who it is we're really battling. Don't we? Because again, the question isn't how am I going to pay the bills or put that relationship back together or figure out what to do with my life. And those are, those are important questions, right? But the biggest question for Jacob, the biggest question for us is always, who are you going to trust? Who's it going to be? Because you're wrestling with X and X matters. God cares about X. But are you wrestling with God? Maybe let me give just a quick example. Like some of you have, have maybe seen this in other people. Maybe you've experienced this for, for yourself. But I think for many of us, we know that in those rawest moments of life, when you feel like everything's been stripped bare, like those, those are the moments when your faith either grows or it dies. It almost never stays the same. That's us wrestling. In fact, I got an email recently from someone in our church just dealing with a, just a whole bunch of junk. Uh, and she writes, hey Nathan, I know I talked to you when life was pretty raw. I am still deeply hurt, but I've experienced a closeness to Jesus unlike any other time in my life. Not always sure I will understand why, but I know he is with me. Because you see, she's not just wrestling with her circumstance. She's wrestling with God. And I can tell you, in my years as a pastor, I've prayed and cried with a lot of hurting people. A lot, a lot of you, right? So many over the years. And in those, in those moments, I always pray for the thing that they're asking for, right? Whatever it is, is that pressing need. But I almost always pray as well for the thing that we need most. God, help us to trust you. No matter what, like, help us. Help our faith to stay strong in you. Like, don't let us wander. Because that's the real battle. It always is. Your biggest problem is God, and he wants you to battle with him. Will you? Okay, so, ready to rumble? Ding, ding, ding. Round one. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's, that's how I picture it anyway. Uh, so the match begins. It's dark. He's alone. It's late. And Jacob is terrified. And at, at first, he, he assumes quite reasonably that's just some guy he's wrestling. Like somebody found him, somebody snuck there. Maybe it's somebody that Esau sent. Maybe it's Esau himself. But either way, like we don't find out till later. Jacob doesn't find out till later who, that's so much worse than that, right? That it's actually God that he's wrestling with. So look at, look at verse 24. And then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, which is like kind of comical. You got to stop there, like. It's going to be a tie? Like God just needs to get to the gym more? Or I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? 
And yet I love how uh, this one artist portrays it. I think it gets kind of the idea, right? Because like the angel like, looks super worried, doesn't he? And I think, I think that's kind of what's, what's going on. Or, or, you know, I think about it like, uh, like arm wrestling with one of my kids. You know, and we know it's not a fair fight, but like I could do this all day, right? And I'm like, just try harder, people. Like it's, you know, and we could just, we could just go at it. And they could, be, they could give it all, and they could, they could last for hours, and that's sort of what's happening in the story. And so now it's like morning time, but like I'm doing this, and it's just it's kind of getting boring. It's like, come on now. And so I'm done, right? And so I'm arm wrestling one of my kids, and I want to end the match, and so I decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to break one of their legs. <laughs> it's one way to live your life, right? I mean, that's, that's not what happens here, but it's not not what happens, right? I mean, look, look at this. Look, look, look what happens in verse, verse 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, you should know in the Hebrew, it's a gentle touch, okay? Like that makes it better, I guess. You know, and so, so God essentially gently, gently kicks him while he's down, right? <laughs> and now Jacob walks with a limp. What? Well, again, our biggest problem is God. He wants us to wrestle with him. But be warned, sometimes God hands out limps. That's the second lesson. God hands out limps. And I know what some of you are thinking, but before you judge God too harshly in this story, step back for a moment and just think about it. Like, sometimes a limp is exactly what we need. Isn't it? Because again, Jacob had a pattern. In fact, I love the way scholar Robert Alter sort of summarizes Jacob. He says, in almost all his dealings, Jacob the bargainer, trader, wrestler, and heel grabber has managed to win out. He's a trickster and a fixer, and it's worked. He's good at solving his own problems, right? Jacob gets what Jacob wants, and he he knows his way out of every corner, and so now God is like, okay, Jacob, trick me. I dare you. And now he walks with a limp. Why? Well, it's because proud people, self-sufficient people, people who can fix their own problems, who can work every angle, right? People like Jacob, people like us, most of us. I mean, if we're honest, we don't think we really need God that much. Because we got this. Something comes my way, I, I can probably fix it or at least, you know, squirrel my way out of it. Because you, you know how to fix most of your problems. You have your defense tactics, right? Your, your coping mechanisms. And you probably know how to wiggle out of most situations. Like, like Jacob, like you can tell a lie, you can massage the truth. We're pretty good at it. So to help us, sometimes God hands out limps. I mean, I, I, I take this a little bit personally because like, I feel like Jacob, probably some of you do as well. Like, it's just kind of, I'm a fixer, it's what I do, I'm an achiever, it's like I hate asking for help. And if I'm honest, I know how to work the angles to get what I want. And at the same time, 
Um, I have dealt pretty much my whole life with mild depression. And sometimes I've wondered if that's because God knew I'd be better off with a limp. Like, given my personality, right? Like, Nathan, trust me, it'll be better this way. And I'm not, I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not even saying that's what God does. I don't, I don't know what God does, okay? I don't pretend to understand my own circumstances, let alone yours. And yet I, I do know that it says in Hebrews chapter 12, right, in the New Testament, it says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines who? The one he loves, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Now, not every trial is God's discipline, okay? I'm not saying that. We've got to recognize God does have a bit of a track record, doesn't he? He gave the apostle Paul a thorn in the flesh. He gave Jacob a limp. And for some of us in this room... I mean, what, what limp do you need? Because if you're wrestling with him, it just might be the best thing for you. Ding, ding, ding. Round two. Round two. So he touches his hip, right? Jacob like kind of goes down and he, he, he grabs on to God, I guess, Right? And he refuses to let go. In verse verse 26, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? I think this is my favorite part of the story because like, God knows his name, right? He's been working with this guy for a long time. He's not confused about who this is. He knows it's Jacob. Think back 20 years earlier, when Jacob wanted another blessing, his father, who he tricked, who he deceived, right, asked him his name. Are, are you Esau? Are you the son that I love? And Jacob lied. He said, yeah, that's me. You love me. And he tricked him out of the blessing. So once again, here he is, wanting a blessing, and God asks him what his name is. And he says, I am Jacob. I almost feel like this is his confession. Because again, you've got to bring with that name everything that that name has been used for throughout the story. I am Jacob the deceiver. I'm Jacob the wrestler. Jacob the runner. Jacob the afraid. Jacob the failure. That's who I am. And God says to him, not anymore. Look at verse 28. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Israel. He who wrestles with God, right? Like Jacob's new name and the name of God's people throughout the Old Testament, it's the one who wrestles with God. And the reality is, as we wrestle in faith, I'm convinced the same is true for us. God names the wrestler. I mean, wrestling names, wrestler names, they're ridiculous, aren't they? 
Like, let me just be clear. Like, I've not watched professional wrestling for, like, since I was probably 15, okay? I don't want anybody to walk out of here and be like, man, Nathan really loves professional wrestling. No, it's been a long time. And yet those names kind of stick with you, don't they? Because they're so, they're so over-the-top ridiculous, like Andre the Giant, right? Jake the Snake, Jesse the Body, my personal favorite, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Like, what a gift to the world, right? Uh, like, they're ridiculous, but they're, they're meant to be like a prediction of, like an identity statement of who they are, Right? And the, the reality is, whether you realize it or not, I mean, whether we could even like, put, our, put our finger on it, like you've got a name for yourself. You may not be able to articulate it, but there is something underneath the waterline that you use to define your reality, that, that explains who you are. And for many of us, maybe most of us, it is some, something to do with an area of shame or regret, uh, a place of, of fear or woundedness, right? like something ugly in our lives. And maybe, maybe that doesn't describe you at all, but maybe you're on the other side of that. And if you're honest, like you've been, you've been trying to make a name for yourself your whole life. Like everything you do, like whether it's you, sex or money or power, right? Or, or how many likes you get, how, how popular you are, what, what your reputation is, even, even our good works, right? We're trying to, to make a name for ourselves. I want to be somebody. I want to matter, Right? Chances are you fall into one of those two groups. But regardless, if that describes you, you will never stop wrestling. Because it'll never be enough. But for those who wrestle with God, he gets to name you. And that is not who you are anymore. Instead, your name, because of what Jesus has done for you, is now loved forgiven, chosen, son or daughter, mine, God says. You are one who wrestles with God and prevails. And church, that is, that is grace because I love, I love how this story ends, right? Because I think Jacob like finally gets it. He finally realizes who it is he's been wrestling and not just in that moment, but I think who he's been wrestling his entire life. He, like who his biggest problem has always been because now like at the end of this, he's just glad to be alive. Like do you see that there? Look at what he, look what he says in verse 30. Like his big statement after this is, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. I should be dead. I've wrestled with God. He didn't kill me, which is grace. And the reality is, you and I, because of Jesus, because of this future descendant of Jacob, we are recipients of that same grace. For we have a God who doesn't just invite us to to wrestle with him. We have a God who also wrestles on our behalf. Who takes upon himself all of our sin and shame, all those things that that we carry with us, and he goes to the mat and he wrestles on the cross and he loses, so it seems. And the place of, of greatest defeat becomes the place of greatest victory for our God is not just our biggest problem, he is also our greatest solution and he invites us to wrestle with him, to bring those questions, those doubts, those disappointments, whatever it is, like to bring them to him and wrestle with him. And if we do, I'm convinced three things happen. Let me just mention them quickly. If you're willing to wrestle with God from faith, with faith, first, it reorders our problems. 
It doesn't make them go away. Right? It's not going to solve your problems, but it puts them in their place because if God is my biggest problem and yet he doesn't just tolerate me, but adopts me, yeah, those other things matter a whole lot. And yet they, they, they have a different perspective about them, right? Because I am, I am loved and accepted by the king of the universe. Second, it reduces our fear. So it reorders our problems, it reduces our fear. Doesn't it? Because like, I mean, Jacob, like you do realize he still has to meet his brother, right? And now he's worse. He has a limp, right? He's just expended all this energy. And Esau, as far as he knows, still wants him dead. It all works out, by the way. We're not even going to go there because it's not the most important part of the story. The most important part of the story is that he wrestles with God and he lives. And the reality is, if, like, he's wrestling with God and he's lit. Like, what can Esau do to him? I mean, really. And what, what can our deepest fears I'm not minimizing them, but if you've been wrestling with God, embraced by his grace, they do not have to rule over you. And finally, wrestling with God renews our faith. It renews our faith. Instead of stewing on our problems, which we do, we gripe or we whine, we talk about God but not to him, right? Or instead of always striving to fix everything on our own, making ourselves more dependent on me, Right? Instead, we can bring them to our Father, and he longs to listen. He longs to wrestle. And if you don't know where to get started in this process, if you're like, man, wrestling with God, that's just crazy. How can I even do that? Maybe a next step for you is just to read the Psalms. I mean, in many ways, it is a wrestling manual. These prayers written to God where you will find, like, anything that you've dealt with, like, any doubt, question, uh, matter of injustice, loneliness, feeling like God has abandoned you, like, it's all in the psalm. Not only does God invite us to wrestle with him, he gives us words to speak them to him. Read the psalms, begin there, and renew your faith. God is our biggest problem. And wrestling with him, I'm, I'm convinced, wrestling with him is the only way our faith will survive. It's the only way your faith will survive. In fact, I think, I, think we're, I think we're a bit like sharks. Hear me out. Um, several years ago, we were visiting my wife's parents in Florida, uh, and we were at the golf, you know, swimming in the water, because, you know, it's what you do. Um, and uh, we were there, and my son and I were out. He was probably five or six at the time. We were out pretty far into the water, just enjoying, you know, life, you know? No big deal. And all, all of a sudden, like, there's a shark. Um, and it's like coming right at us. And listen, I am not a marine biologist, but I'm also not exaggerating. It was not a dolphin, it was not a big fish, like it was a shark. And it was like all in a matter of just moments, I'm thinking, okay, we're too far from the shore, it's too close to us, and so I just, I pick up my young son, I hold him tight, and I just like am waiting for this thing to eat me, seriously. And it, it just keeps coming. Like, I'm just frozen in there. I can still, like, picture it. It's, it keeps coming closer and closer and closer. And eventually, I see, well, it's only about, like, maybe five feet long, okay? Still terrifying, but I could probably punch it in the face if I had to. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm terrified in this moment, and it just, I'm holding my son, and it just swims right by me, like, a, probably a foot away from me, like, holding my breath, just terrified. But it just keeps going. It had wanted nothing to do with us. And what's interesting, come to find out, there, there are certain kinds of sharks that always have to be moving. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they can never stop. If they're sleeping, they have to be moving. Like, if they, if they stop, they will literally drown. It's how they get 
put like water into their gills, and you don't need to know all that, but like they'll literally drown if they stop. Like for them, it is, it is swim or die, it is keep moving or drown, and church, that is a lot like faith. Like the moment you stop moving, like the moment you stop wrestling with God about these things, you are at great and great risk. But we have a God who invites us to himself, who even names his people in the Old Testament, those who wrestle with me. You are welcome to bring all of it to our God. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make it pretty. Bring them to him. I mean, the reality is, you and I are wrestling all the time. You're wrestling with this and that. When is the last time you've wrestled with God? Let's pray. Father, I'm just truly amazed by your grace that you come to us with such closeness, such intimacy, that, that we, don't, we don't even have to make ourselves right before we come to you, that all that depends on Jesus. And so I pray that as your people, we would, we would put all of our faith in him, all of our hope in him, that you would wash us clean, and that for all of these things, real problems that every one of us deals with, God, I pray that we would bring them to you and wrestle with you and feel the love that you can give. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.